and I want to help you today, and I thought through and through and through this week, how am I going to present this so you can see my notes? So you're going to see my notes. No, it's not typically. My notes don't normally look like this, as you're about to see, but I think it might be helpful. If you scan through with me the last part of of uh, James chapter number 15, we get into a section that is probably hard to understand, a little bit hard to to uh, work with, because it uses two words over and over again, and when we get into it, you're going to find out that there's actually a variety of words, and one is sin and one is sickness. And there is, in my book, there's a misunderstanding uh, actually, there is an issue I've, I've seen personally in my family when my wife had cancer that there were harsh statements said about the issue of what sin might you have done or what do you need to repent of uh, because you have cancer. And I, I just want to say a few things before I get into this because I think that's a very cruel statement to make. Uh, and it's hard to swallow, especially as you're going through it. And unfortunately, we have folks in here who are dealing with things like that, too. And uh, it's an amazing thing that we as human beings can be judgmental and very quick to point the finger at people when we have the same problem. <laughs> Let's go back to the essence of what we have to know. Number one, thanks to Adam and Eve and their sin, we have become sinners. And the wages of sin is death. Physical as well as spiritual. Scripture says, and unless the rapture occurs, folks, it's appointed unto man once to die. That's every single person in this room today if the rapture does not occur. Do you know that? That's what God has said. How is it that we could stand above somebody else who happens to know what it is that's bringing in, into their life that they're struggling with. Some with diabetes, some with cancer, some have eye disease. <laughs> now, generally, that doesn't kill you unless you're driving. But uh, um, some, some people have challenges in so many different ways. And there are days in our lives when we're standing up like the flower in full bloom. But Scripture says something about that, doesn't it? Because the flower fades. The blooms fall off. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, if you want, and wonder, why is it that these bodies are degenerating as they go? Why is it that we are, are, are we going to stand up and point the finger at somebody else and say, well, you must have sinned, you've got an illness, when we all are walking that course? You see what I'm trying to say? It's just amazing to me how I've seen this, and as a pastor for 30 years now, I've seen it too many times. And I'm saying it's so unfair to somebody who's struggling that we think we have the spiritual answer to their problem. Because we say, you must have sinned. You've got a disease. And I think that song you sang today, Kelly, was absolutely beautiful, and it spoke right to the point, didn't it? How can we... Look at all that and evaluate what God is thinking. And why he brought that into our life. And after all, if you want to live on this earth the rest of your life, go for it. But I have a better place I'm going. 
And someday, the Lord's going to use some vehicle of, of death to bring that about, or the rapture itself. Which I'm pulling for the rapture. But, but it is true, with all that said, that somehow we do contribute it to our problems. We might overeat. We might have problems with tobacco. We might have problems with alcohol. We might have emotional problems. We might, there's a host of things that we can easily contribute to our medical things. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to stand here and say, you know, it's because you're doing this or this or this. But we do have that capability, don't we? We can encourage along the disease process with the foolish decisions we make in life. All that being said, when we get to James chapter 5, and we get to these last sections, and you see those words start popping up on the page, do not be quick to go to the judgmental mode and think of people in the church and say, aha, now we know their problem. All right? Don't do that. I'm going to show you something today that I think will make a huge difference in understanding what this passage is teaching. And I, I want to do it very carefully, okay? But I want you to be able to see it. We are examining faith. That's what the chapter is talking about. That's what the book is talking about. It's the examination of living faith. And we're called to that faith, are we not? You should say yes, because we've been on it for 26 weeks now. That is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Walking by faith. Walking by faith. Faith is in the Lord, right? That's where we're centering our faith. And so we're to learn to walk in trust of Him. That's important. So, when we go into these passages, let's see if I can get my clicker to click. It's on. It's off. It's on. It's off. It's, there it goes. Okay. James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? That's the question. Then, he must call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Notice, one question, a huge answer. Many, many, many pieces. Many things to look at. But context is the key. It's very important that we stay in context when we're working with this, and I'm going to show you why. Oops. This is Fred. All right? Now, I always use Fred because I don't know any Freds. So I feel safe with that. If you know a Fred and he looks like that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. There are people listening to this on our website eventually, and they'll say, what is he talking about? Okay, I think that's a safe Fred. Fred is a believer. Let's use Fred in our example of John chapter, I mean James chapter 5, and put the big picture before you. Fred is a believer, alright? Fred happens to work for somebody. He's out in the field or whatever he does. He's out there working, 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 working. And that's where the first couple of verses come into play. He is serving somebody. He's working for them. And it just so happens, when payday comes, his boss does not pay him. Would you be disappointed? Oh, yes, you would. Even if you are a believer, you'd still say, Huh, that's not right. Because here's what James started with. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your uh, miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. 
other rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your field, which has been withheld by you. It cries out against you. The outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived luxurious on the earth, lived a life of wanton pleasure. You have fat your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man, and he does not resist you. All right, you got the context? That's not a good situation for the righteous man, is it? He's had his wages withheld. How does that affect a simple person in life like you or me? Especially if you're on a fixed income, let's say. Let's say that you have medications you have to pay for. You have payments that are regular and coming on your way. And you don't have the money to do it because you've got an employer. Or you've got some system that's supposed to pay you and they don't. You have ever been such like place? It's, it's tough, isn't it? Just even imagining it. It'd be tough to imagine. What do we do next? How do we go from here? This poor Fred, boy, he's having a tough day. Because he didn't get paid. What's the Lord tell him to do? It's right there in front of you. You've seen it enough by now. That's hard, isn't it? Be patient. He says it again. Be patient. Strengthen your heart. Do not complain. Woo! That's the next section we looked at. Those are hard things. They are commands. But they're hard things for the believer. He's talking to believers. Brethren, Fred, listen up. Right? Do it. Be patient. Oh, that's so hard in the midst of this. Yes. It's going to require something. All these things are given to us for a reason. Why? The Lord knows. Doesn't he? The Lord is coming. This is woven in the passage, and I highlighted it in blue on purpose here. The Lord is coming. Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. He says it later. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. He says, do not complain. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Many times, our complaining, our impatience, our weak hearts, are because we have our eyes set on the wrong thing. We're focusing on the problem and not on the solution. We're focusing on the situation and not on the Savior. He says, don't forget. This is why we can trust Him. Because the Lord knows. And that, those are three very refreshing words to me. I don't know about to you. The Lord knows. Even in Matthew chapter 6, when it talks about prayer, and the Lord says, now take your request to the Lord. For the Lord knows what you need before you ask it. To me, that is such a beautiful aspect of prayer. I could go before him, and I'm not surprising him with my need. I used to have a friend who said, you're not going to knock him off his throne in shock. You're telling him something he already knows. And you say, well then why didn't he fix it? He wants you to know that he's in charge. Trust him. He knows. He knows. He knows everything about you. Do you know that? Every single thing. Read Psalm 139. 
When you get up, when you sit down. What you think, even before you say a word, he knows what that word is. That knowledge, the psalmist says, is too much for me. But that's an incredible knowledge. Those are good words for us to live by faith. The Lord knows. He knows. The Lord is coming. This is a matter of faith. Is it easy? No. When the paycheck doesn't come? (laughs) Not easy. But it's still a matter of faith. Right? Okay. I've been working on that for a while with us. So we understand that that's the context of this passage. This is what James is addressing to the believers. They all knew it very well in his day. Very well in his day. And he kept encouraging them to walk by faith. He says, let's talk about Job. Remember in verse 11? Job knows that problem. He says, let's talk about the prophets. Verse number 10. They know these problems. They had to walk by faith too. We count those who bless who endured. You have heard, he says this, of the endurance of Job. You have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Here's the reality, folks. We have God's word. You have heard this before. The issues of faith have been set before you. You didn't have to live with Job to know about Job's patience. Did you? No. You read it in the Word. You weren't there with Abraham when he had to march up the hill and and give his son. You weren't there with Noah when that rain started to fall. Though you start to feel like it. The issues of faith, I'm, I'm very glad I could read about these people and not have to go through the same things they went through. Although they may not like some of the things I've had to go through. But the fact is, you have heard. You have seen the testimony of the Lord's compassion and mercy is all around you. It's all around you, and it's recorded in His Word, and we are not with, with, we don't have an excuse to say, I don't get it. It is recorded for us. It is displayed for us. We have seen so many times how the Lord has worked and the outcome of that working. Haven't we? Okay, so that's pretty simple, straightforward, as it says in the text. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is merciful. It's a matter of faith, and here it comes, who He is and what He does. That's faith. Faith is who He is. And you say, well, I'm not sure who He is exactly. Then get back into your word. That's what it's there for. So you can know who He is. And what he does, it's recorded there too. It's very important that we get to know him. Because the Lord knows you. You need to know him. That's faith. That's where we're called to. It's a matter of faith. Okay. That's setting you up. It's coming. Here's our problem. So often we bounce around with our responses. Don't we? Problems come. Is anyone among you suffering? I think we can say among us, yeah. That's a bad thing. Actually, that's the definition of the word suffering. (laughs) A bad thing. Is anyone suffering a bad thing? 
I don't know what you define as a bad thing. Anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Have you ever been down that road where one day it looks just absolutely as bleak as could be, and the next day you're on cloud nine? And you're like, woo, woo, woo. Graph it sometime and see what your life looks like. You say, boy, they could design roller coasters that scare people to death if they follow my graph. But we do that, don't we? Even if it's the same problem, we do that. Because one day, we're looking at ourselves, and we're thinking just the most worst things we can. The next day, we say, no, I've got to think about the Lord. And somehow our spirits get lifted up, and we feel great, and everything seems right in perspective. And then you know what the third day brings us to? We get tired, we get our eyes off the Lord, and guess where we go again? Three responses. Are you suffering? You must pray. Anyone cheerful? Sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? You say, sick? Oh, that's where it comes into play. Has no strength, literally. That's a Greek text. He has no strength. He's feeble. He's weak. Yes, they use it for the word sick. But you see, it's not just the concept of the flu. It's the reality that our bodies, after going through tough things, they get tired. Don't they? They get tired. And when they get tired, they lose their strength. And when they lose their strength, how much, how, how clear are our thoughts when we're down there without strength? How easy is it for us to start to see the darker side of things because we have no strength? Emotionally, it goes down the hill. Oh, I've struggled, you've struggled. We all know that story. How many times have we bounced between all three of these <laughs> with the same problem? Maybe in the same day, we've been up and down. James is addressing something that we all have in common. We know this story. We know it very, very well. We struggle with responses. We do. You need help. <laughs> That's a pastor's job. He's going to fix you, Right? Is anyone among you sick? He has no strength. He's feeble. He's weak. He must come for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him. I highlighted this because that's what it says. That's the main thing. That's the statement. They're to call him. They are to come and pray. Pray over him. I've inserted a word here because that's true to the text. After anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The oil does not change the issue. I'll show you in a second, but we talked about this for a whole week. The oil is for refreshment. That's what they used it for primarily in Old Testament times in the days of James. Oil does not cure cancer. (laughs) Sorry. Oil doesn't even cure the flu. Oil doesn't do that. It was used for refreshment. It was used as a, 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 a lotion of sorts, a soothing effect. It helped with sunburn. It helped with scratches. It helped you feel good. It helped you feel honored. It, helped you, it was actually a tangible thing after somebody lathered you with this oil, which the text talks about. I mean, actually massages it in and you're just dripping all over. You come away knowing somebody oiled you. 
All right? There's no way you can't walk away and say, oh, I don't remember anything about that, because you're just dripping as you go. And that was the picture. It was a reminder. To me, it was a physical reminder of something they've been doing for you spiritually to refresh your soul. They've been praying for you. They've been praying for you. And so, they first saw that your physical needs were met. Your, your medical needs, if it will. We don't do that today. We give you other things. We call the doctors and say, help us out. We've got this problem. In their day and age, take the Good Samaritan story. He found the guy all beaten up on the side of the road. First thing he did, he walked over there and covered him with oil and wine to clean up the wounds. Then he took him to a place so he can rest and recuperate. He met his needs. And that's where we sometimes have to start. It's kind of hard for somebody to listen to your prayers and think you're really caring about them spiritually if you've done nothing about them physically. So, after the... the Medical attention is given of whatever sort it can be to help resolve that. You start praying that it will be effective. Because there's only one who can heal. Don't you know it? It's the Lord. He is the only one who can heal. It's not the oil. It's not even the prayer. It's the Lord. And that's the context. They saw this poor guy struggling. Yes, he's struggling. He is worn out. He hasn't been paid. He's got bills. He's got issues. He's got suffering. He's righteous, and he doesn't know what to do with it. He's tried, you know, praying about it. He's struggling. He's feeling happy. The Lord's going to meet my need. He's suddenly just weak, and he can't move another step. It's been devastating for him. Call the elders. Let them pray with him. Maybe he needed some help. But let's pray for him. Because this is where the struggle is. Does he trust the Lord who knows? So we pray for him. He needs that kind of help. And the prayer offered in faith. Notice the prayer, not the oil. The prayer offered in faith. It's a matter of faith. In who he is and what he does. Will restore. This is the word that gets interesting. The Greek word is sozo. It means, yes, to save. That's our typical definition. It means to deliver. Our King James Version, it will save him. Uh, The Greek word is, it will deliver him. Deliver. The one who is sick. Now, he changed the word. Wait a minute, that's not fair. He just used the word sick in the last verse. Feeble, right? Without strength. Now he uses another word. It means Faint, or what's the other word? Sickened, tired from the toil. Starting to feel it? That's the nature of this. The struggle wears you out. He needs delivered from that. He needs rescued from that. He needs saved from that. That tired from the toil that aspect of sickness because he has no strength these people he can't do a thing about it and here's what it comes down to the Lord will raise him up not the prayer not the oil not the elders not the medications who does it the Lord does the Lord will raise him up I asked you this before but this is the issue of prayer 
Do we trust him with the answer? Do we trust him with the answer? The hardest part of faith in prayer is waiting for the answer and then accepting it. Do we trust who he is and what he's doing? The Lord will raise him up. Are you ready for this? I'm about to push this next button and you're going to say, Oh! Look at this word, raise him up. To waken him. To rouse him. This is where we have our problems. When we are forgetful, we get kind of drowsy in our remembrances, don't we? So many times we say, oh, why can't I remember that? It's because so many things have made us tired that our minds tend to shut down and we forget. The Lord shakes that all up. The Lord shakes that up. He says, I want to remind you. I want to rouse you up. I'm going to wake you up to this. I am the one you trust. We do come around to that, I think, as believers. We struggle with this, and then the day comes, and suddenly we say, well, what have I been doing for three days? Been there? The Lord will raise him up. The Lord will rouse him. The Lord, that doesn't say that the Lord will take away the problem. Do you see it? It means he will rouse him up, wake him up. The Lord may want to raise him up, answer prayer, might heal him. Yes. The Lord may want him to learn to be patient and wait. What's that mean to Fred? Today might be payday because we prayed for him. The Lord may answer that prayer. Could he do it? Yes, he could. The Lord may say, no, no, Fred's got to wait. Say, whoa, Fred can't wait. The Lord says, oh, yes, he can. I know him. I know his situation. And if he just trusts who I am and what I do, he can wait. That's a tough one. The Lord may want him to learn to be patient and wait. The Lord may want him to learn endurance and depend on his strength during the challenges. The Lord may say, no, I'm not going to change his situation. I'm going to let him stay in that situation so that he learns to trust me more. Which do you think is better for you? The exit or the faith? Oh, I set that up because you're in church and you have no other choice but to say the faith. So many times you run the exit. The Lord says, no, I want endurance. Trust me. I am with you, right? Do we believe that? Nobody does? Yes, he is with you. His strength. His strength. His strength. The Lord may want to adjust the focus of Fred. Fred, you're thinking too much on these things. You need to think more on me. I'm going to leave you here so that you have to think of me. Sometimes the focused adjustment is a little painful. <laughs> but we're supposed to keep our eyes on things above. And that's not easy when the things below are pretty big. The Lord is doing work. He's doing more than just answering your prayer. There are much more 
in the answers. And that's still a matter of faith in who he is and what he is doing. We have to trust him. Good old Fred, boy, he's getting an education this morning, isn't he? Watch this. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now we know the problem of Fred. No, we don't. How likely is it that we sin when we are hurt, when we are tired, and we're not depending on the Lord? You don't have to answer that, because I already know the answer. How likely is it that our answers to the problem is not of faith? Maybe Fred wasn't patient. If that's a command, and it is, then what do you call it when he's not? Sin? Yes. Maybe he didn't strengthen his heart. That was a command too, wasn't it? What if he didn't do it? What do you call that? Sin. Maybe he complained. Oh, I'm meddling. What does the Lord call that? Uh Uh-oh. Maybe he didn't wait. Maybe he didn't endure. Maybe he didn't trust. Maybe he didn't keep his focus on the Lord. Is it possible that he could have committed sins when he was supposed to be walking by faith and he let that problem dominate his spirit? Yes. He might have sinned. He might have sinned. Here's the good news. The Lord is compassionate, right? He is merciful, and it is He who forgives. Because ultimately, the sin is against Him, isn't it? So many times we're looking for, that's the problem! This guy's sinned, now he's sick! The thing is, that he's going through problems, took his eyes off the Lord... Stoop down to a level where he's thinking like an unbeliever. And he's not trusting the Lord. Yes, sin is possible in this. We're still back to the issue of faith. It's still possible. But the good news is we have a solution for sin. The Lord has that solved too. Isn't that great news? He even knows when we fail. And he died because of it. Didn't he? Isn't that great news? Think about that. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we sin. He knows all those things. And he says, and I've got the solution for that too. Trust me. Trust me. I am so thankful we don't have a God who says, three strikes and you're out. Aren't you? Because I don't think it takes ten minutes to strike out. He is so compassionate. He knows that when we're faithless, He will still be faithful. Every time. Every time. Those are important words for us. The Lord is compassionate. Even if He's committed sins. Alright. The application. Ready? This application might apply to some sort of medical condition you have today. 
It might be the challenge of your heart. It may not be a financial thing. It might be a medical thing. It could. That's testing your faith. It might be a financial thing. We know that too. It's quite possible. It might be a family condition. A relationship in the home. That's challenging you to the core. And it's an issue of faith. It might be an employment condition. Those are challenging too, aren't they? Whether you have the job or not have the job. You're, you're in the midst of a job and it's a difficult spot. There's all kinds of pictures there. It might be an educational thing. Some of you in school, you say, I know that every week. It might be an educational thing. It might be the application of even political things. And that's coming. Etc., etc., etc. The application is about as, as varied as the people in this room. But the application is, do we live out our faith in the Lord? Do we live out our faith in the Lord? In every or any situation. Trusting what he is doing to make us trust him more. Do we enlist the help of our church family and leaders to help us mature and or recover from our lack of faith? We are too embarrassed to tell other spiritual people that we have a lack of faith. We are. Your pastor stood up here and said, you know, I'm having a great deal of trouble with lack of faith today. You'd all say, why is he up there? It's because of pride that we hide the thing. Are we responding in a mature or immature way to the challenges of life? (laughs) Well, that's our growth process. That's why we're in this study. To grow, to trust, to trust not only Our Lord, who is doing all this in our midst and what he's accomplishing, but the very fact he put us into an environment where we have brothers and sisters to help us, especially when we're weak, they can help us be strong. They can lift up our arms when they're tired, right? They can be there for us. And so often, that's the problem of our text. The problem of the text is not, this guy's sick, so let's judge him. The problem is, that we're all on this road of learning faith. And it's not an easy road. But we need one another to support one another and to see it from God's perspective. We must trust Him. We must. We must. And what He's doing is always good, folks. It may be hard, but it's good. Do we trust Him? And as a body of believers, do we collectively trust Him. That's what the text is calling for. You see how it's different than what most people would use it for? It brings us back to the Lord, not to standing over somebody and judging them. So how's your faith going? You had a good examination this morning? That's all I wanted to do, was set it before you so you could see it yourself. Now, I told you, Fred's not normally in my notes. But if you're Fred this morning, we're here to pray with you. We're here to help you. We're here to help strengthen you. Uh, Whatever we can do 
as leadership, as fellow believers in the Lord, we walk together. We strengthen one another because we're all on the same road. And the, the desire for you and for me is to trust the Lord, right? That's what we want to do. Let's do it together. Let's walk together. And wait till you see the next verses. You're already scanning down there and say, Uh-oh. <laughs> they do look pretty rough, but it comes down to the same point. We need to do this together. Trust the Lord. Trust Him. All right. There's my PowerPoint for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we now come to the point of prayer where we hear these words and we take them to heart. And we look at our lives and evaluate where we stand and what we're doing and how we're doing it. Where we see the things that need improvement, the things that need strengthened, the things that are going well. As we look at the nature of this life and what we're called to do, it comes down to simple things, at least in words, to walk by faith, to trust our Lord, to know who He is and what He's doing in our life. And even if we do not have the answers for our circumstance, our situation, we at least have the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you help us with this, for you know us so well and how we have set our eyes on other things than you. And we've consumed our time with other things than you. We've walked so often like those who have no faith or those who are weak in faith. And you want us to be mature, strong in our faith, able to not only trust you in these things, but to able to help and hold up others who need it too. For we have brothers and sisters who need help, that their faith might be strengthened as well. So I pray, Lord, that you call us, each and every one, to a mature walk with you, that we might not only be walking correctly along your path, along with you, but also ready and able to meet the needs of those who need that too. May we all lift each other up today. And not pull each other down. And we thank you for what you're doing because you always lift us up. You're so kind. You're so compassionate. You're so merciful. And we praise you for that. And we praise you that even in these trying days, whatever the trials might be, our Lord loves us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.